Good morning, and welcome to this segment of They Call Me Grace. I thank God for another day, another opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I pray that you are all blessed. You're continuing to practice sheltering in place, being as safe and cautious as you possibly can. But also remember that God is yet fighting for us all. He has hedged us in. So we must never go and serve any strange gods for this, for these are the words that have been told us. We can only serve one God and that God is the one and only true living God through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in with me today on this segment of They Call Me Grace. Today is Independence Day, the 4th of July, the red, white, and blue. However, we are amidst protesting, we are amidst COVID-19, but we also must remember that God is yet in the midst of us. Even though he has given Satan rule over the earth for this time, Satan has a job to do. But we must remember that God is in the midst and he is in control and he can do what he wants to do when he wants to do it in his own timing. God still fights for us. Happy Independence Day. And I want to share a word from you out of the book of Joshua chapter 24. And this is where Joshua began to speak to the people. And I'll start with you, start with uh, verse number 16. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord, our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we serve the Lord, for he is our God. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. So remember, even though today is Independence Day, we are not independent from God if we are believers. We are to serve God and God alone. We are not to serve other strange gods for he will do us hurt. Jesus Christ is standing at the door to welcome us in, to accept us as his as our Lord and Savior. So I tell you today, even though it is Independence Day, 
we must still serve the Lord our God and not serve other strange gods. I pray blessings over you, that you have a great and wonderful and safe holiday, that you eat, be merry, but remember, always serve the one and only true living God, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He's yet waiting for those to come in, to accept him and to acknowledge him, to be Lord and Savior over your lives. So again, continue sheltering in place, be cautious, be safe. But remember, there is only one God that we should serve. And Joshua made it a witness between him and the people before the Lord our God. He placed a stone as a witness because they said, we will serve God and God only. I love you guys. Be safe. Have a wonderful day. Until the next time on the next segment of They Call Me Grace. Good morning. Welcome to this segment of They Call Me Grace. I am so glad that you're tuning in with me today. Let's give thanks to God, our Father, for His Son, Jesus, who died on the cross, laid in the grave, rose on the third day with all power in His hand. Praise, worship. We praise, worship, and honor you this day. Amen. Again, thank you for tuning in with me on this segment of They Call Me Grace. And today's subject is, when they see us. And when they see us and see that God is with us, then and only then will they make a covenant with us. Betwist us and them, for this is what's needed in today's times, in today's protests, in today's marches, in today's injustices, in today's inequalities, in today's racism. When they see us and see that God is with us, then and only then will they make a covenant with us. Make a great day. I'm so glad that you tuned in with me today. Until the next time, on the next segment of They Call Me Grace, they see us now. I decided to, uh, decided to watch a movie. And the movie that I wanted to watch is is called Selma. Selma uh, is a black history movie. Uh, written by uh, Oprah Winfrey Network and uh, Cloud 8 uh, Films. And um, so as I began to watch this movie, as it starts out, Dr. King and Coretta, you know, they're in the bedroom and he's looking in the mirror and he is trying to uh, put on what he called his necktie when his wife tenderly corrects him and says it's not called a necktie it's an ascot they have a little bit more rhetoric going on 
as he turns back to the mirror and she begins to do some other things. He's looking at the necktie and he has this very distinct look on his face. Either he's perplexed, he's unresolved, he's toiling with something within himself is what I infer from what I'm looking at. And then he says to his wife, this ain't right. And immediately, you know, of course I'm assuming he's talking about the necktie. He is actually talking about the necktie or the ascot as she refers to it. This ain't right. And she responds by saying, you don't like it or it's not right. If I'm not getting the, um, the script mixed up. But he says, but generally the same principle should apply in regard to the necktie or the ascot. The same principle should apply. But that brought me to understand that him being a preacher, a man, an activist, fighting for his people, he is a man of the principal thing. So the look on his face when he said, this ain't right. I believe he was talking about a whole lot of different things as opposed to that necktie or that ascot. This ain't right. So he's preparing his speech. And as he's preparing his speech, he begins to quote it something like this because he's going to be accepting the peace prize. He says, I accept the honor for our lost one. I accept this honor for our lost ones whose death paved our path for the 20 million Negro men and women motivated by dignity and a disdain for hopelessness, which is the same fight that we're fighting today with Black Lives Matter. So they arrive on scene to accept his peace prize. And as I'm watching this movie, I can see them sitting very rigid, but they're dressed so eloquently with their black skin radiating out toward the audience while the white man at the podium announces this prize in honor of Dr. King. But my heart is broken. I'm angry. I have no hopelessness, but I have a fight in me. I have an understanding in me. I have a regard for our people. I have a regard for all people. But the matter today is Black Lives Matter. We matter. We matter. You see, our millennials today, they understand our past. They honor those who have paved the way for us. So I say to you, America, this is why we march. This is why we protest. This is why we assemble. 
This is why we demand. We the people of the United States of America in order to perform a more perfect union and establish justice and equality. This is why we march. So those of you that have not joined the movement, the righteous movement, join in today with Black Lives Matter, Brown Matters. There is no more elitism. There is no more supremacy because God created us all in his image. And this because of Dr. Martin Luther King and his movement and what he has done to pave the way. The millennials get it. So I say to you, Black Lives Matter. Good morning, and welcome to this segment of They Call Me Grace. Thank you for tuning in today. Let's thank God for this opportunity to meet once again. In the highlight of the world's turmoil, today's subject, the heart and soul of the earth is crying out. I pray that you all are still practicing social distancing as much as you possibly can. While we see the world fighting so many issues, guess what? We still have to get in where we fit, where we can thrive, stand, or move from where we are. It's a decision that has to be made. It is, de- it is detriment. My suggestion today is simply draw near to Christ. For we have all heard the message from the prophets, yet do we all believe. Furthermore, when we hear of that big sale, that great deal, a new song or a new artist, or even a great sports figure, a dynamic company or organization, that new ride, or as some would say, that fresh whip, we tend to flock to it. But for those who have heard of Christ, have not heard of Christ, but you have heard of him, but you have not accepted him, I urge you to do so. And you know why? The soul and the heart of the earth is crying out. A war cry has gone forth throughout the land. And in saying that, We understand that brick-and-mortar businesses are closing. The stock market is crashing, riding the wave up and down. And the scarcity of some goods even affect most of us. Families are being torn apart. Disparity issues are among us. The very soul of the earth is being shaken. So in saying all of that, We must do something. There is something that we must do. And what is that something? Don't hold your breath. We all must breathe. We must breathe because we have witnessed the breath of a man taken 
with a knee on his neck. But we were we must move through these issues. We must move through these circumstances. But the body of Christ must work in tandem. What does that mean working in tandem? Well, over in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, it says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fail, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up again. If two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So we must work in tandem as the body of Christ. And I'll be right back. Welcome back to this segment of They Call Me Grace. So we're talking about the heart and soul of the earth that's crying out. And uh, you need to do something. Now, if in fact you desire to do something about adding more soldiers to the army, then the body of Christ must be dispersed around the community, around the city, around the state, around the country, around the world, it's necessary. Take a deep breath. You can relax just for a moment, but don't relax for too long and get comfortable. No, not yet. We must take it to God. Every issue must be brought to God first. Then we can take it to the to the community, the city, the state, to the world. But you say everybody does not know God. Okay, but everyone has heard of him, right? You know it's true. Stay with me now. Stay, stay with me right there. Think about what the objective was for Jesus dying on the cross. What was it? Was it simply that God sent his son to this earth to go through all of those things that we even go through today? Was it simply for him to do that? It was not simply for that. It was simply to pay the penalties for our sins so that we would believe in him and accept him to our accept him into our lives. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalties of our sins. He wants a hardened soul. We must. I urge you, we must do it. But we'll all do it. We don't know. But the Bible does tell us that in the end, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. So, but today, just for today, what do we do? What are we going to do? How can we, as the body of Christ, work in tandem, working toward the same objective? Accomplish that great mandate. Surely, this is what it is, a great mandate. 
answer some questions within yourself and be absolutely sure to pin it to your brain, to pin it to your heart. You see, the vision of accepting Christ will never change. That vision will always, that vision will always remain constant because that is the objective of God for us all to accept Christ. We know nothing ever stays the same. Life are like the seasons that change. So then what is the vision? What is God's great mandate? That we would believe, accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. Again, this vision will never change. If you think about the number 18, the world says that if you can repeat, if you can do something 18 times, and biblical numbers also say the same thing, that we can begin to make that transformation. And I am sure without a shadow of a doubt that each and every one of us has heard the great news of Jesus Christ more than 18 times. So if we've heard it 18 times, there's nothing in between us except for pride that keeps us and a tempest that keeps anyone from accepting Christ Jesus. Do you think it's true? So remember, the heart and soul of the earth is crying out. And we must work in tandem with each other. Working in tandem means to work together on a cord on the same playing field. And the playing field that we're talking about is a is an equal playing field across this world because the mandate the vision is the same and it will never change i'm so glad that you tuned in with me this morning i pray for peace i pray for a change of heart and a change of mind and that each and every one that has heard the good news of Jesus Christ will accept him while their heart and soul is crying out for something that is in plain sight. Thank you for tuning in with me. Until next time, I'll see you on the next segment of They Call Me Grace. Remember, I love you guys. Pray always, praise and worship. Good morning, and welcome to this segment of They Call Me Grace. I thank God for another day, and I thank God for his son Jesus, who died on the cross, was laid in the grave, and rose on the third day. In Jesus Christ's name, I do pray. And this is the story of Jesus. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him.
and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate then said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his quarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has a greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. Next came the crucifixion. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which, is in a, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with, and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews, Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, 
woven in one piece from the top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, they divided my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his home. And then came the death of Jesus. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Then Jesus was pierced in his side. Now, since it was the day of preparation and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. And the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. For one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth that ye, that you also may believe for these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says they will look on whom they have pierced. Then Jesus is buried. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus, by night came bringing a mixture of mirth and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen clothes with spices, as in the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Then came the resurrection. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, 
the one whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first and stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he not, he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus on his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. And this is when Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid, laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples. I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. Jesus appears to the disciples on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the father has sent me. Even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy spirit. If you forgive sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you will withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Jesus and Thomas. Now, Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, the place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into the side, I will never believe. 
They called him Doubting Thomas. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put your and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And the purpose of this book. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may also have life in his name. And the reading of this word is surely blessed. Amen. Good morning and welcome to this segment of They Call Me Grace. I'm so glad that you're tuning in with me today. Now, on yesterday, uh, we had uh, a bit of discussion on a specific uh, subject, but today I want to move it to a different level. But first, let me just thank God for allowing uh, the listeners to tune in, allowing me to share uh, what he has given me. Uh, because I understand that there is nothing that I can do on my own, that everything that I do, my my every being, is only done because God allows me, He gives, He provides, and uh, I want to make sure that I uh, can follow that. So, Lord, move me out of the way and let the words that are about to be spoken, Father God, penetrate the heart and the mind of someone that they would begin to seek and search you out in Christ. In Jesus Christ's name, I do pray. Amen. And so today I'm uh, looking over into the book of uh, uh, Zephaniah. Okay. And uh, prior to that, I was looking over into the book of Habakkuk. And, you know, Habakkuk had a burden that he was carrying and he didn't quite understand uh, where God was and why he was not responding. So he began to uh, ask God a lot of questions and, and God did respond to him. But then I moved over into the book of Zephaniah. Okay. And uh, the, the subject that I want to talk about is the apostasy or the turning away from God. Um uh, we know that in the book of uh, Zephaniah, some things that uh, were going on within Judah, things of that nature. Uh, but in the book of Zephaniah, it talks about how God uh, would be responding and he would be responding uh, to those that uh, that had never sought him, those uh, that not had inquired for him, uh, those that had not been believers or even pretended to be a believer. Now, we all understand that the prophets uh, 
they have been given to us to to move forward the message or the good news of uh, Jesus Christ. We all understand that. And maybe some of us don't. But what I do understand and what I do know with a surety is that the good news of Jesus Christ has been given. Uh, there have been messengers that have been given in spreading that news. Okay. So over in the book of Zephaniah, uh, specifically, uh, I, I just want to talk about apostasy. I want to talk about the turning away uh, those that have not sought after Christ, those have not uh, inquired of him, never believed or even pretended to believe. Those are uh, those that uh, are uh, unregenerate, uh, those that have hardened their hearts, those that neither know, believe, or even care what the Lord has to say, and we must care. So our great commission, our great mandate is to push forward the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, because like I said, in my previous podcast, you know, the world tells, tells us that if we do a certain thing uh, or say a certain thing so many times that we begin to demonstrate it, believe it or whatever. So, and I believe in, in, in my heart that each and every one of us has, have heard the good news of Jesus Christ more than 18 times, but some of us have not inquired. Some of us have not accepted. Some of us, uh, have become complacent, haven't believed, uh, uh, they haven't even pretend to believe or even care about what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying because he's standing at the door. And we may think of that door as an invisible door, but the door is actually in plain sight. Okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm speaking, uh, metaphor, uh, metaphor, metaphorically. Okay. I'm speaking, uh, in this manner, because I know that as each one of us has been born, that God has input something down on the inside of each of us, something that he could get at. Okay. He has given us a heart and a mind. He's given us something down on the inside that as the message or the good news of Jesus Christ has been spread across the world and we've heard it. There's something down on the inside that he can begin to pull at because he's not going to force us to accept him. But because we have heard him, there is something down on the inside when when someone can keep coming to you with that word and begin to penetrate. OK, penetrate means to break through. OK, uh, to be able to get into the, the crevices and the cracks of something to begin to. Uh, for someone to get that epiphany. I'm just going to call it an epiphany. We get that epiphany. But I, I want to talk about the apostasy. And in today's times, it seems like there has been a great falling away. But on the other side of the great falling away, what God has begin, begun to do is gather the nations, gather his people together, join us together uh, to bring forth that uh, prophetic word uh, to begin to move forward that great commission, that great mandate to so that people that have heard that they now have another opportunity to accept Christ as their Lord, 
uh, and Savior. So that turning away, I believe that the movement to, movement today that's taking place, even within the protest that's going on, uh, we know that it's not all good. We know that there has been some collateral damage. There's been some evil that has been constructed or infiltr- infiltrated uh, infiltrated into that movement. But I believe and I understand uh, that God can even take a situation like that, a movement like that, and use it for his good in order to turn that apostasy around. He's not going to force us, but there will be a great message that while he's uh, gathering that remnant together, while he's gathering his soldier together, while he's putting the, uh, his people together, gathering, sharing the good news, interceding, praying on the behalf of the kingdom of God. So, you know, that falling away. But I, I believe there is a, a revival taking place today. Thank you, Jesus. There is a revival taking place today. And you can't see it with your natural eye, but you have to have that spirit down on the inside. But when we push that movement forward, when we push that that great commission, uh, that great mandate about the good news of Jesus Christ. I believe that hearts and minds and souls are going, hearts and minds will be changed and souls will be uh, given to God. So, and that is our great commission. That is our great mandate. So share the word with someone that you know. If you are a believer and you know the good news of Jesus Christ, begin to share it on your social media. Begin to go through your your neighborhood, your community. Begin to, to gather and we cannot forsake the gathering or the fellowship because we must, because the Bible tells us that two is better than one and a three uh, chord cannot be easily broken. So we have to not forsake the fellowship. I know that we're living in a different time today where the church houses and have been closed, but it's not about the building. It's about the gathering. Uh, uh, it's about the gathering because the Bible also tells us where two or three are gathered, that he would be in the midst of that gathering. So it's about the gathering of the nations because synergy power. There is power in synergy. So I just, I, I admonish you today to go over into the book of Zephaniah and read it. Go over into the books of Acts and the book of Habakkuk. Just pull your word out and begin to study for yourself and ask God to come in that you may receive the word, that you may believe and ask him to come into your heart where you will begin to uh, have him Lord over your life. And you will see changes. I'm not going to say that you won't have trouble because the enemy will come after you. But you have to know that God has given us a word to hide down inside of our hearts. So I thank you for tuning in with me today. Remember, those who have not sought the Lord nor uh, inquired for him. I have never been believers or even pretended to be. Those have that become complacent and, and unregenerate and, and hardened their hearts against what the Lord Jesus Christ has to say. I come to you today asking you to come to Jesus. Give your life to Christ. Give your life to Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. Tune in with me on the next segment of They Call Me Grace. to this segment of They Call Me Grace. I am so glad that you're tuning in with me. Please like, share this podcast with your family and with your friends. 
Let's thank God for another day, another opportunity, another chance to accept him for those who have not accepted him. The heart and the soul of people are crying out. And maybe they don't know why they're crying out. But there's something on the inside of each and every one of us that God input in us. And it's crying out. And Jesus is standing at the door. I pray that each and every one of us can continue to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to those that have turned away, committed apostasy, for those who are lost, for those who are searching, while Jesus is standing at the door, awaiting. Let's pray that we all can continue to share the good news of Jesus Christ. For in the end, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess. And this is what the word says. I pray for peace. I pray for hope. I pray that each and every one of us could love our brothers as ourselves, for this is a commandment of God. I pray that people would be able to come back to their senses, our righteous senses, in that, that violence, guns are not the answer, but to love, to uplift is the answer. I pray this prayer, so continue to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. This is my prayer, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of hope, love, and a sound mind. This is what he has given us, and this is what we must grab hold of. This is what we must stay attached to. That which he has not given us, we must dismiss and denounce in the name of Jesus. And I pray this prayer in Jesus Christ's name. I hope you guys are having a, a blessed morning when you were touched by God this morning and you opened your eyes. You didn't know how he did it. But he did it. He's given us one more chance. Thanks for tuning in with me today. So we see that COVID-19 is back on the rise again. Yet God is still on the throne. God is still in control. We also see that our babies are being killed. They say that guns don't kill people. That people do. Because it takes someone behind the trigger of a gun. For that bullet to be released so the violence has continued but we must continue to pray we must continue to circumvent the airways the atmosphere with our prayers to reach heaven because God hears our prayers I am so glad and humbled that you're tuning in with me today they're killing our babies they're burning the American flag how ludicrous is this? Well, they say when a person is angered and reaches that fourth or fifth stage of rage, they have most likely reached a point of no return. They have settled in their mind, they have settled in their heart to continue along that path. And they have no ability to return unless they seek Christ, unless they call on the name of Jesus. So we're praying today that 
the enemy is stopped in his tracks, that the enemy is bound on earth because the word tells us that anything that is bound on earth is bound in heaven. We pray today that the chains would be loosed from our people, from people in general, bondage, strongholds. We pray that those things are loose because the Bible also says whatever is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. We must choose life today. Life is such a precious commodity. And I remember about 10 or 11 years ago when the violence, even in Chicago, they were beginning to rob and violate and kill the elderly. And now Satan and his imps have turned that thing around and now they're taking our babies. I don't know about you, but I know about me. I've experienced the loss of a loved one, of a friend, through gun violence. And it's not a pretty thing. It's not something easily dealt with unless you have Christ. And I thank God that he was on my side. And I know there's someone out there just like me who may have recently lost a loved one. Call out to God. He's on your side. Hold on to his hand, his unchanging hand. Send your prayers up. Do not remain in a state of shock. Do not remain in a place of hurt. Do not remain in a place of anger. Do not remain in a place where you will have the capacity of being stuck and it takes you into a different realm, a realm that you will not want to be because you may reach the point of no return just like the enemy. So stand up on your feet this morning. Get down on your knees this morning. Pray to your God. Forgive your enemies. Let it go. Seek justice, for this is the right thing to do. Get involved with something that's going to free your mind and free your spirit and free your soul. And that something is, is the word of God. Take every word of God and lay it over any type of negativity that you may be feeling, any type of hurt that you may be going through today, instill the word of God deep down in your soul. The Bible tells us that we should love God mm, with our heart, with our mind, and with our soul. So there are three ways, and I find it very ironic because you know we've got five, uh, we got God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And then we have three ways that we can love God with our heart, our mind, and with our soul. There's something about the number three. The number three is very, very powerful. So I'm asking you right now, go into your secret closet. Go in. You hear the alarm going off. There's something going off on the inside of you. Can't you hear it? Can't you hear it? Can't you hear it? There's a warning going off. You've got to turn back. You've got to let go. Let it go. Reach out for God. He's there. He's waiting. They're taking our babies. We must do something. They want to dis dismantle the police departments. What craziness is that? Can you imagine this world without some type of structure where the communities aren't protected? 
Yes, I know. We have the George Floyds. We have the Trayvon Martins. We have the Sandra Blands. We have a lot of people that have been murdered by the very people that are supposed to protect us. But all of them are not bad apples. All of them are not bad police officers. Can you imagine being in your community knowing that if you had to call 911, but there was really no 911 to call because the police departments have been dismantled? That's ludicrous. Anyone in their right mind would not want something like that to happen. Everything needs structure. Everything has to have order. Without order, there is chaos and a world full of violence. They're killing our babies. Got to stand up, but we got to pray. Got to stay on our knees. And don't go to that place where you have the capacity to get stuck and blend in with the enemy out of rage and out of anger. The Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. So we can be angry and not sin. But I'm telling you, hold on to God's hand, his unchanging hand. Pray, find your prayer partner. Because the Bible says where two or three are gathered, he would be in the midst. And I believe today that he receives our prayers. And our prayers are going to be released as odors in the end days. When, the, when, when those seals are open, those odors, those sweet-smelling prayers that we have been sending up for many, many years, the saints, they'll be released from that seal, the prayers of the saints. So our prayers can take us very far. Our prayers are not just for today. Our prayers are even for tomorrow, even when tomorrow is not promise to us, our prayers can and will be reserved to be, to be released at the right time. So thank you for tuning in with me today. No more burning flags. Put down the guns. Stop the violence. Black lives matter. All lives matter. But today our slogan is black and brown, we matter. Thank you again for tuning in with me. Until the next time, I'll see you on the next segment of They Call Me Grace. I love you guys. Pray. Wash your hands. Worship God. Do something for your neighbor. Do something out of the norm that shows kindness, love, and generosity. I love you. Good morning, and welcome to this segment of They Call Me Grace. I am so glad that you are tuning in with me this morning, and I hope that you guys are starting out uh, to a great day because this is the day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. Today, I want to talk about dignity. Today's subject is dignity. A few questions, though. What is the dignity? Why do people want to keep their dignity, and why do we honor it? Well, the most basic level of dignity uh, that we see uh, is by people recognizing their value as human beings, 
who are made in the image of God. And that comes from Genesis 1, 26 through 27, because we are made in the image of God. Now, being made in the image of God means people have the capacity to reason, to feel, and make moral choices. And there is a scripture that relates to that in Genesis 1, 26 through 27. Now, we dignify people by showing love. And we know love is, is one of the greatest commandments. is the greatest commandment, I should say. And we can find a scripture regarding love in Romans 13 and 8. Doing good. A scripture relating to that. Galatians 6 and 10. And treating them as important. A scripture relating to that in Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Now we know that the mature person demonstrates the highest form of dignity by loving his enemies. And we can find a scripture that correlates to that out of Luke 6, 27 through 30. And blessing those who persecute him. So we must bless those who persecute us. And there is a scripture relating to that in Romans 12 and 14. There is one common or worldly statement we often hear. Uh, we may have heard of it. I won't dignify that with a response. And so we keep silent. Well, remaining silent by not speaking the truth, is that in fact dignity? Well, I suppose it could be. Depends on what's at stake or what's at risk. Because silence sometimes we do have to speak to. Okay? Either way. Honor those who are deemed honorable because in the end, God is our righteous judge. So let's dignify ourselves by honoring those who deserve the honor, who deserve the praise, whether it be for a service that they've done, whether it be for a position that they hold, whether it be for the character and the integrity that they hold within themselves. We must honor those who are due the honor. So what is dignity? Dignity is something that we must honor at all costs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Be sure to go over those scriptures that I've shared with you. And we must love our brother as ourself. And we must for those who persecute us because this would be a dignified thing to do. Until next time, I'll see you on the next segment of They Call Me Grace. I love you guys. Good morning. Welcome to this segment of They Call Me Grace. I am so glad that you're tuning in with me today. I pray that you are still practicing social distancing. I pray that uh, whilst most of the economy is opening back up, that you will still have in your heart and your mind to be very cautious and to be safe and continue to practice social distancing. For we need to make sure that we can protect each other. I thank God for another day, another chance, and another opportunity to bring to you my podcast segments so that anything that goes forth, that God would move me out of the way. And if there is a word that the Holy Spirit releases unto me, 
that it will fall on your ears for understanding. In Jesus Christ's name, I do pray. Again, thank you for tuning in with me today. Today, I'm just doing a little bit of reminiscing, reminiscing about some things that have occurred to me spiritually over the years. In that during those times or some of those times, I did not recognize them as being spiritual. I recognized them in another fashion and I did not have complete understanding. So as I go back and I think about where I was in December of 1998, I remember it was one Saturday morning. It was early Saturday morning as I traveled from Joliet to Romeoville. As I approached Route 53, it seemed that I was the only vehicle traveling north at that particular time. I could see no oncoming vehicles and there were no vehicles aside me or in the rear of me. I traveled at the normal speed. I made most of the traffic lights, but the further I passed through Romeoville and began to get into uh, Bolingbrook, the fog that was light upon my entrance of Route 53, it began to get deeper, deeper, thicker, and thicker. And as I traveled, I couldn't even see ahead of me. There were no headlights coming toward me, and if they were, I could not see them. Fear began to come over my mental capacity. I began to grab hold of the steering wheel even tighter, raising my body, pressing it up toward the steering wheel, looking around, easing my foot off of the accelerator and beginning to slow the vehicle. In my thinking, the slower that I went, the safer that I would be. Because as I traveled further north, the fog got thicker, thicker, thicker. The fear increased. Then I heard a voice. Do not be afraid. I'm preparing you. Down the road, there's going to be trouble. I didn't understand it. I did not think these thoughts myself. And I don't know, even during that time, if Satan had even given me those thoughts. What I can say, I've always believed in Christ Jesus as far back as I can remember. I've always believed. I may not have always been in sight of his will, but I've always believed in Christ Jesus. 
Now, this is not the first time that I had had a spiritual encounter. I had had one years before in 1972 as a young child. It was several months after my grandfather had passed away. I loved him so much. I was his little girl. He loved me so much. There was a love between he and I that I can't even describe. But I remember several months after his passing, it was just about dusk. And my mother and all of my other siblings decided that they needed to go somewhere. My mother had an errand to run. For some reason, I didn't want to go. I wanted to stay home. I was still mourning the death of my grandfather. So I stayed home. After everyone had left the house, I turned on every light in the house, both upstairs and downstairs, because truly, I was really afraid to be alone, but I didn't want to go. So I took the chance of staying there alone. I figured that being in the light, I would be safer because there was light. Now, mind you, I have heard of Christ Jesus. I had attended church as a small child. I knew who Christ was, but I was still a child. I knew what light signified. So having turned on those natural lights, I was secure and sure within myself by staying in the light that I would be safe. But lo and behold, I came from the upstairs kitchen. I went down to the lower level. And as I reached the bottom step to turn left to go down to the hallway, there was a card table that sat in between the partition of the living room that divided it from the hallway. As I attempted to go past the table, the table began to shake. It began to shake. I backed up, my mouth open, eyes bucked. Fear had come over me. This table was just shaking all by itself. I turned around as quickly as I could and I ran upstairs. As I reached the top of the stairs, I ran down the hallway. Into my mother's bedroom. I jumped over the bed. I lay on the floor. I pulled the phone down from the nightstand. But before I picked up the receiver, I had to catch my breath because I could still hear the sound of that table shaking and I did not know what was going on. I was horrified. I picked up the receiver hear the table shaking. I picked the receiver up once more. I dialed the number again. And finally, my friend's mother, she answered, Miss Burton.
such a lovely woman. And as I began to speak, she recognized my voice. She said, Shay, is that you? What's wrong? And I began to tell her what had happened about the table shaking. And I was afraid. In order for me to get out of the house, I would have to go toward the bottom stairs to the front door. I dare not. Then suddenly, I heard the front door open and I could hear voices. My mother and my family had returned. And I told my neighbor, Miss Burks, that that's okay. They're back now. Thank you, and I hung up the phone. But I just laid there quietly because I was shaking. I was afraid. I was afraid. I didn't know what was happening. They all came up the stairs. They had their packages. They went to the kitchen. And then slowly, I got up. I left my mother's room, walked down the hallway. They all stood there looking at me like they could tell something was wrong. Tears streaming down my eyes, my heart panting. I was afraid. And someone made a joke. What's wrong with you? Why are you crying? What are you crying for? But I couldn't tell them. So I rushed past them to the couch and I sat there quietly. I'll be right back. The Prayer of Jabez. First Chronicles chapter 4 verses 9 through 10. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. In Jesus Christ's name I do pray. So, Lord, this is my prayer. The Jabez prayer, Father God. Lord, I have faith. And Lord, I have not sowed a seed. But Lord, I shall sow a seed. I shall receive what you have for me in faith and not by feeling. So my prayer to you, God, is the same prayer of Jabez. Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed and enlarge my coast and that thine hand might be with me and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. In Jesus Christ's name, I do pray, and I receive it as already done. The Prayer of Jabez, First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. In Jesus Christ's name I do pray. So, Lord, this is my prayer, the Jabez prayer, Father God. Lord, I have faith. And Lord, I have not sowed a seed, but Lord, I shall sow a seed. I shall receive what you have for me in faith and not by feeling. So my prayer to you, God, 
is the same prayer of Jabez. Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed and enlarge my coast and that thine hand might be with me and that thou wouldst keep me from evil that it may not grieve me. In Jesus Christ's name, I do pray and I receive it as already done. Good morning and welcome to this segment of They Call Me Grace. I thank God for another day another opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I pray that you are all blessed. You're continuing to practice sheltering in place, being as safe and cautious as you possibly can. But also remember that God is yet fighting for us all. He has hedged us in. So we must never go and serve any strange gods for this, for these are the words that have been told us we can only serve one God and that God is the one and only true living God through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in with me today on this segment of They Call Me Grace. Today is Independence Day, the 4th of July, the red, white, and blue. However, we are amidst protesting. We are amidst COVID-19, but we also must remember that God is yet in the midst of us. Even though he has given Satan rule over the earth for this time, Satan has a job to do, but we must remember that God is in the midst and he is in control and he can do what he wants to do when he wants to do it in his own timing. God still fights for us. Happy Independence Day. And I want to share a word from you out of the book of Joshua chapter 24. And this is where Joshua began to speak to the people. And I'll start with you, start with uh, verse number 16. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord, our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we serve the Lord, for he is our God. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. So remember, even though today is Independence Day, we are not independent from God. If we are believers, we are to serve God and God alone. We are not to serve other strange gods 
for he will do us hurt. Jesus Christ is standing at the door to welcome us in, to accept us as his as our Lord and Savior. So I tell you today, even though it is Independence Day, we must still serve the Lord our God and not serve other strange gods. I pray blessings over you, that you have a great and wonderful and safe holiday, that you eat, be merry, but remember, always serve the one and only true living God, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He's yet waiting for those to come in, to accept him and to acknowledge him, to be Lord and Savior over your lives. So again, continue sheltering in place, be cautious, be safe. But remember, there is only one God that we should serve. And Joshua made it a witness between him and the people before the Lord our God. He placed a stone as a witness because they said, we will serve God and God only. I love you guys. Be safe. Have a wonderful day. Until the next time on the next segment of They Call Me Grace.